Thank you for joining us for this episode of 13, and happy Valentine's Day. This is part two of The Bridal Cure by Sarah Pratt. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go on and do that first. We'll be here when you get back. If you're ready for part two, then go ahead and sit back, turn down the lights, on with the show. At first, I let the garment bag hang in the front closet, but I leave the door open because I can't stand the idea of shutting it away in the dark. Then I take the dress out of the bag because, again, I'm worried the ladies infused in all that lace are feeling suffocated. They haven't spoken since I left the shop. Devo's card slips out of the bag. Sartorial mythologist. My fuzzy brain puts the syllables together and they congeal into meaning. Every dress a story. I place the card on the side table where the mail sits unopened. It's all for you, anyway. Wiz said you ought to turn our mailbox into a wood chipper and just feed trees directly into it roasting you mercilessly over your love of grocery store flyers and dry cleaning coupons, insistence on paper bank statements, and a nostalgic, almost pervy attachment to National Geographic. They've sent two issues since you died. Well, I finally got a dress, I say to the empty house and stare at the thing suspended on its satin-wrapped hanger. What were my last words to you? On our last day, our last moments, they were stolen in a sudden obliteration of synapses. But there's something. That barbed dart of suspicion wriggles in the folds of my hippocampus, a jam in the time-stamping mechanism of memory. My wrist burns where the fibers wove their way into the skin, cradled in all that lace. I'd felt understood, accepted, desired, known. The ladies remain silent. I take a long bath until my headache subsides. Then, I put on the dress. Days pass. Shadows and sunlight shift with a cleaver of night wedged between. My phone buzzes and I don't check it. My phone dies and I don't charge it. I don't want comfort, conversation, or company. I have all I need, all around me, inside my head and under my skin. I've learned so much. The lace is unraveling everywhere now. 
and tunneling into my flesh. It hurts, and I weep along with the women in the dress. They're all awake now, and they tell me their names. All she does is cry. You get used to it. That's Soleil. Halo responds only with a sob. And why wouldn't she? Aurora snaps. After what she did? After what we all did? Martyr much? Look at it this way. All your problems got swept away in one. This is the beginning of the rest of your life, Sunshine. You'll have to live with it. Halo whimpers and snivels. Depends on how she wants to live. That's true. It's your choice. You can stay. Or you can go. It's your choice. It's your choice. Their chorus ebbs and flows, and I shudder, going taut with pleasure as the lace crawls deeper into my tissues, issuing an electric tingle as the threads begin drilling into my bones. A cypress tree, a symbol of eternal life, and a tribute to the dead reaching for heaven with roots down to the bedrock of the underworld. The sun is setting when the front door bursts open and Wiz blows in like a mean nanny. Where have you been? She demands striding over to the couch where I'm lounging in Victorian repose. You can't just barge in here, Wiz. My voice is indolent and utterly unlike me. Why aren't you answering your phone? We've called and texted every day for weeks. Mom thought you were dead. She was going to call the police. The only reason she didn't is because I figured you were just hiding like a coward and told her I was coming over here and breaking a window if I had to. Spare keys in the woodpile. Wiz rolls her eyes. Yeah, I know. I got bitten by a spider, thank you very much. The rage clears from her gaze, replaced by confusion. Paris, what the hell are you wearing? I smile, though it takes a Herculean effort. My wedding dress? Since when? Hart said you didn't have one. He told you that? (sighs) Okay. Wiz tucks her hair, the same beautiful auburn as yours, behind her ears, and sits down on the ottoman across from me. This is where you're going to make it make sense for me. What is going on? I don't want to tell you. You'll be so angry. I'm already angry, P. And I know she is. The high flush on her cheeks, the razor's edge to her mouth. Plus, she's not blinking. Always a bad sign. We broke up. What? When? That day. I didn't have a dress, and we were arguing about it. And then he straight up asked me if I wanted to get married. And it just happened. No yelling. No crying. No drama at all. I just... I took off the ring. Nice of you to string him along for five years, asshole. 
I warned him. Long engagements never work. That's not the worst part. I gulp. My hands are clammy, bunching fistfuls of lace skirt. My palms prickling as the fibers attempt to weave themselves into my skin. The accident was my fault. The words tumble out of my mouth and I don't wait for her reaction. I can't. The momentum of my courage won't last that long. We'd had plans to go to a friend's going away party that night. We couldn't just bail. I mean, we'd broken up, but we weren't mortal enemies. It wasn't even a fight, not really. So we decided to go, to keep the news to ourselves and sort things out later. The party was actually fun, except for the occasional awkward wedding talk. You and I avoided each other most of the evening, which wasn't weird because we were never attached at the hip anyway. Since I was driving, you'd taken the opportunity to soften the edges of reality a little. My phone was in the cup holder and it buzzed with a text. You always gave me a hard time over looking at my phone while driving. And I'd been trying so hard to break the habit. But that night, I didn't have the willpower. You were half asleep in your seat. It was nothing important. Our friend thanking us for coming to her party. But it was nighttime and it was icy. And the deer, as the car started to skid, I knew that one of us was going to die. And all I felt was relief. Wiz finally blinks. I want to tell her I'm sorry. It's the thing to do. Beg forgiveness for the unforgivable. But that's not fair, is it? I don't deserve that. All I deserve right now is to lose what little I have left that means anything to me. Is that it? What? Is that all? I, I don't understand. What if you think you're getting off the hook that easily, you're dreaming. And frankly, none of that is a good enough excuse for this crazy town situation. She gestures to the all of me. You broke up. It's hardly a hanging offense, and for the best, if you ask me. This isn't what I expected to hear, and the threads burrowed into my body quiver with outrage. I killed him, Wiz. I killed your brother. Ugh, don't be so dramatic. God, it was an accident, Paris. Preventable, but aren't they all? It was a dumb thing that you did that everyone else does every day, and it happened to have terrible consequences. It's shitty, but it's life. You can take the blame, but you're not a killer, you idiot, and losing yourself in whatever the fuck this is. Wiz waves at my beautiful dress, disgusted. Her eyes are red, and she's tearing up. This will not bring him back. I know, but I, I thought... 
You never you... trusted us, did you? People change. They grow up. And just because we're not besties anymore doesn't mean that's not how family works. You aren't always close. You don't always get each other. I know you loved Hart, but you didn't need to marry him. You were already family. But what about all that stuff about the ring? Wiz moves to the side table, and she plugs my dead phone in. Then she looks at me, sniffing. My brother died. I've been pretty sad and maybe a bit of an unhinged dickhead about it. And that's also part of being family. I was afraid of losing you, dork. Not the ring. I love you, Wiz. As I say it, the lace stabs into my ribcage. You've got the rest of the night to work through your shit, okay? I'll be back tomorrow morning, and we're taking that... She points to my dress. Back where it came from, and then you are coming home, understand? Okay. Wiz walks to the door, but she pauses before opening it. And P? Yeah? You will never repeat any of this to my mom. None of it. Ever. I nod, and she's gone. No longer my best friend. And maybe she never was. But Wiz, for all her sharp tongue, strange temper, and a lack of any capacity whatsoever to suffer fools, was always my sister. Night falls, and I don't bother getting up to turn on the lights. They hurt my eyes anyway. I haven't actually moved in hours. I'm not sure I could if I wanted to. I drift on the liminal currents between sleeping and waking, listening to my fellow widowed brides chatter, and of course, cry. You have a nice family. For now. Don't be nice here, sweetie. This is the honeymoon. What do you mean? I whisper into the dark, wincing as the threads tug my vocal cords. Only the things change. They always do. Much as I hate to agree with shame spiral Barbie, she's right. You'll never trust them. And you know they'll never trust you. Not really. And then it starts. A missed call here, canceled plans there, Pretty soon, it's cards on your birthday, and then it's nothing at all. You'll be alone. We already know we you. Already love you. We already love you. But it's your choice. Always your choice. Always. Suddenly, the sobbing stops. Soleil and Aurora fall into shocked silence as a small voice speaks. I realize that Halo had a choice once, too. They all did. And now, I know why she cries. Not because she lost her groom, 
but because she lost herself. I can't do this. I can't do it to Beverly or Wiz, and I can't do it to you. I lift my arms and I pull myself up, but it's like being shredded from the inside. The threads woven into my skin pull and tear, but I manage to wedge my fingers under the lace collar and tug. The fabric tears with an awful, fleshy sound. The pain is unbearable, and I scream. Aurora screams. Soleil screams. Halo wails. My own voice drowns in the shrieks of every widowed bride stitched into this dress. I want it to stop. I don't want this. I can't stand it. But nevertheless, I've made my choice. It happens fast now. The threads surge through my body, embroidering my organs, piercing my joints, spiraling through my blood vessels and pulling tight. But it doesn't hurt anymore. It's like sunshine filling every cell of my body, being touched everywhere all at once, exactly the way I like it. And my nerves thrill on a golden crescendo that only grows and never crests. Before my eyes are sewn shut, I see my charging phone light up. But it may as well be the dark side of the moon. My muscles are marionetted to the dress. My tongue is a spool of white thread behind stitched up lips. Halo was wrong. I'm exactly like them. Guilt, sorrow, and relief. They are all we know. The cure calls too powerfully for me to resist. It was always too late. Wiz returns in the morning, as promised. When no one answers the doorbell, she lets herself in. It's dark inside, the blackout curtains still pulled tightly shut. A cell phone sits charged on the side table, lit up with Wiz's unread text from 15 minutes ago, saying she was on her way. And Paris is right where Wiz left her, draped over the couch. For crying out loud, did you sleep in that thing? Paris does not reply. He? Wiz blinks in the dark and feels her way toward the window, yanking the curtains open. Light crashes into the room and over the sofa, and for a moment, her face registers relief. It's not Paris. It's just the dress, laid out neatly so as not to wrinkle. It really is beautiful, 
she thinks. One of a kind. On the coffee table sits a folded up garment bag with a white card on top. The Bridal Cure, Devo, Sartorial Mythologist. What the hell? She shakes her head. Wiz doesn't mind doing this bit of dirty work for Paris. She gets it. In brisk order, she bags up the dress, noting the sumptuous feel of the lace. Soft and slightly spongy. Almost like skin. Though in perfect condition, it's clearly old and handmade. Each paisley teardrop a slightly different size and shape. Before zipping the bag, she indulges herself, burying her face in the lace. She inhales the scent of girlhood, of sunny days and grass stains. A fresh wave of grief threatens to overtake her. The shop bell clanks as she enters a stylishly appointed boutique, staged with mannequins in a variety of white gowns. A chic figure emerges from the back, wearing a pinstripe suit. Their eyes land on the garment bag in her hands and flash with familiarity. Good morning. Are you Devo? That I am, love. How may I help you today? I need to return this. It's from my sister. It's a long story. And I don't have a receipt, but it's definitely from here. Will that be a problem? Devo takes the bag. And gesturing for Wiz to follow, they swish through the show floor to a dazzlingly mirrored fitting room in the back. It's disorienting. And Wiz blinks back the vertigo. Let's see here, Devo murmurs, pulling the dress out of the bag and hanging it on the elegant stand in the middle of the pedestal. They inspect the collar and sleeves. Both are in immaculate condition, without so much as a single frayed thread escaping the paisley embroidery. They lovingly caress the sleeve and look up at Wiz with a brilliant smile. Not a problem at all. I... Do you hear that? What do you hear? I don't know. Whispering? Something... Is someone crying? Devo turns back to the dress and presses a finger to their lips, like they're telling it to shush. Wiz grips the edge of the fitting room door and swallows hard. I do not like this place. Of course. Those in no need of a cure often find my shop overwhelming. Devo escorts Wiz out of the fitting room and back to the front door of the shop where they pause. Thank you for returning her. Where is, where's, where's Paris? Wiz is glassy-eyed and frowning, 
Devo slides a hand inside their jacket and pulls out a ring. The pearl glows in the expert lighting. I believe this belongs to you. Wiz takes the ring, still blinking in confusion. You take care, and my sincerest condolences. Huh? Your brother. Such a tragedy. Oh, um, right. Thanks. By the time Wiz reaches her car half a block away, she no longer remembers why she drove downtown. The entire morning dissolves. All of it. The shop, its proprietor, the haunted lace, and white cypress trees smelling of sunshine. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 13. If you like what you heard, stop what you're doing and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This was part two of The Bridal Cure by Sarah Pratt. The narrator slash Paris was me, Brooke Jeanette. Bev was Sarah Ray Warner. Wiz was Kayla Temshiv. Devo was Atticus White. Hart was Mason Washer. Soleil was Lindsay Reed, Aurora was Hannah Wright, and Halo was Emma Sherjarko. Music composed by Caleb Ritchie. Editing and sound design by Brooke Jeanette. Additional assistance from Bridget Freeman and Ian Epperson. Learn more about the author, Sarah Pratt, and all of the fantastic actors featured in this episode by checking the show notes. You'll find links to their other work there. Our producer-level patrons are Rick Linville, Tattooed Fox, Rhiannon, Sean Geary, Anthony Diaz, Michael Vasquez, Amy Harper, Jackie Kay, Delta Tango, Chantel Payne, Emily Douglas, Stephanie Klinger, and Jake R. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for your support. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about joining us on Patreon. We've got a patron live event at the end of this week. Check us out on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under Pod13. And you can join the Facebook group for 13 Podcast. Just look for the logo. You'll find links to all that in the show notes. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show, or if you'd like to contact us about anything else, get in touch at info at 13podcast.com. You'll find submission guidelines and other info on our website, 13podcast.com. You can find that in the show notes too. Bridget Freeman knows you'll be back. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next month.